The first reading today is from Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 42. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. This is the word of the Lord. Today's sermon reading comes from the Old Testament book, Jonah, chapter 1, verse 17, to chapter 2, verse 10. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to the worthless idols turn away from the from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Welcome to each one of you who are here today. Um, want to thank each one of you. also want to greet all of those of you who are on Zoom joining with us and would look forward very much to the fact that in the near future you'll be able to join with us. Can you check this? It doesn't seem to be coming through. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Um, we then begin to look today at the book of Jonah. But just as I was saying, if you've not been able to join us for a while, this is my wife Lois, seated right over here. I don't know if the camera can swing on her. She has been praying through the church list, and she wants to meet you. So don't hesitate. You'll miss something great if you do. We'd love to meet you, and uh, so come if you can, and uh, 
we also are thankful for each one who's made the effort to come. Coming together as a church is something special. We in our world seem to think or to understand it takes effort, yes, but particularly when we visited with churches in parts of the world where it is difficult, maybe almost impossible to get together, this idea of coming together and being a part of the body of Christ is a very good and important thing. Now, today I want to continue our sermon from the book of Jonah. You should have actually been given a Bible as you walked in as well. And uh, you noted that we've added to the Bible reading in the um, bulletin the actual page number of the Bible. So that makes it very easy for you to find. Uh, I'd like to, for you as we go through these things to actually sometimes be referring back to the Bible so that if you have any questions later, you'll know exactly where to find it. Um, in the book of Jonah, chapter 1 was very much what we pointed out was the concept of Jonah becoming aware that God is a personal God. You remember last week we pointed out that the word which occurred again and again repetitively throughout chapter 1 is the word in English in caps, Lord, L-O-R-D in caps, that is the translator signaling to each one of us that that is the word Jehovah, which goes... Sorry, can I quickly check your... Um, like, oh. Would you like me to use another mic? We can hear you a lot better. Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you for mics that don't always mix with our voice all the time, but right now we ask you to guide and lead. And most of all, help us as we look at these verses. You know, Lord, this is a very interesting chapter of the Bible. And so, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you open it to us. Help us to hear and to understand not just my voice, Lord, but your voice. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hesitate, to hesitate a bit to say this, but this has been the most difficult sermon to prepare for that I have prepared for for about two years. If anything could happen, it happened this past week. Well, there were a few things that could have happened more. But I just want to say to you, and I don't know what that means. Normally that means that God wants to speak. And we, therefore, we listen. But Jonah chapter 1 is filled with this word that goes back to the Hebrew of Yahweh or the idea of I am who I am. I want to be your personal God. And Jonah, even though he was a prophet, was learning the truth of God being personal with him. And the, certainly the providence, the working of God within Jonah's life, Jonah is learning again and again. And now in this chapter, 
it is a chapter which is filled with his prayer. Now, I asked, asked the reader to read with us the last verse of chapter 1. If you look in your Bibles, you will realize that the last verse of chapter 1 is included in the paragraph that begins chapter 2. In the original, it is the first verse of chapter 2. And all I would like to say to that, we did read in the first reading, and let me just repeat that to you. This is one part of the Old Testament which our Lord Jesus himself refers to and quotes and uses, uses as an example. For just as Jonah was, in, was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be the three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Why do I say that? I say that because sometimes we look at this portion of Scripture, people may encourage us that it's only a parable that is with moral teachings. And it does have immense moral teaching. But the struggle or the challenge to that position are these words of Jesus. You see, he says, just as Jonah, so will the Son of Man. There is no simple moral teaching. It is direct logic and example. Just as, so will be. And if this is only moral teaching, then this too is only moral teaching. But if this is a historical event, then this also is a historical event. You see, the Bible begs the question, is this personal Jehovah God great enough to do a miracle and change life and move within the lives and time and space of you and me? And I believe without a doubt, he is. Now, that's beginning of chapter 2 in the original. But if you look at verse 10, you'll find here it says in verse 17, of course, the Lord appointed or brought a great fish. And then in verse 10 of chapter 2, and the Lord spoke to the fish. So they're kind of like book covers. It one starts with God and the fish, and the other ends with God speaking to the fish. And so it kind of then gives us a framework or a focus in our thinking upon this prayer that is offered by Jonah. Now in it, look what it says, verse 1. And Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Notice that automatically here the text says that Jehovah here means he is identifying now in this prayer that is not just the God who is in heaven, who created the seas and created the land, as he said in chapter 1, but it's his God, the personal God. And then it goes on, it talks about how the love of God comes and how God is at work. Now look what he says he is saying as he prays out of that situation. I called to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me 
Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. This chapter is filled with this prayer. And as we go through it, we will find that God begins to reveal himself to Jonah in a new and very personal manner. It makes us, it actually begs the question for us to ask, what is prayer all about? What is the purpose of prayer? Why has God given us prayer? Because we find in the midst of this, think of it for a moment, you and me, we can speak personally with God. That is what prayer is all about. But not only do we speak with Him, but He also speaks to us. One of the first sermons I uh, did as we were here in IPC, it must be back in about mid-December before the Christmas sermons, was a sermon on prayer where I read to you the prayer from Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. And in that prayer, it is a literal prayer that Paul prays, but as he prays it, he also reveals to us, he exposes us to those things he know, knows should result from prayer. Remember those? He says to you, I, I remember you in my prayers. And then he says, look what he asked for. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, and then he prays for these two things to happen, that he may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, part of prayer is the same as what happens as we read his word. Of course, his word is inspired. Our prayer may not, is not. But the same function as God speaks back to us, as God listens, as God hears, it is these two features where he gives us a spirit of revelation. In other words, God reveals. And he also gives us a spirit of wisdom. We begin to understand in the knowledge of him, of God. And then he goes on, he says, and in prayer, the eyes of our heart, that place where we understand and make choices, that should open. That we would know the hope of his calling. As we read through these verses of Jonah, you are going to find a moment when all of a sudden it turns from despair to hope. As God reveals himself, and then he goes on, not only to that, but he says even more, and that we would understand the greatness of the riches he has in the saints, all of a sudden Jonah is going to realize that God really values Jonah. And then, of course, he says, and that we might see the power of God at work in us. So those are the things that Paul says should happen in prayer, and we should be able then to identify some of these as we read through these verses of Jonah. Look what he says in verse 2. I cried out in that distress, in that situation, and you answered. He says, and I, you heard my voice. It's an amazing concept. You know, when we pray, we do not pray simply to the room. Nor do our prayers simply go up and re reverberate off the ceiling. 
but rather we are praying and God, it says here, as he remembered, God, you are listening and you are answering. It's amazing truth. And then he goes on in verse uh, 3 and he says, he now realizes, he says, see what he says, and you cast me into the sea. Actually, literally in chapter 1, it, were the, it was the sailors, wasn't it? But all of a sudden, he is starting to realize this providence of God, this working of God in his own personal life. You see, ultimately, it is the will of God and through the providence and the leading of God, when the will of God and the willingness of a man or a woman meet together, it is a working of God. And he is realizing that this was not simply that the sailors rolled the dice and the dice indicated Jonah is the guilty one. No, no, no. He is saying, but God, you are the one. You're the one who orchestrated these things. Through you are the things that have happened to me. And he says, you cast me into the deep. Then look in the next part of the verse. Your waves, your billows. It was not simply a storm. It was a movement of God. And he begins to recognize it is God. Wow. Have you ever been in that state where all of a sudden you realize it's not just luck, it's not just happenstance, but there is a movement of the providence of God in one's own life? And you come to a point where one must choose. And here it is, is what Jonah has found. And then look away, it says, and I am driven away in verse 4 from your sight. You see, all along he had thought, God said go, I said no. And he thought, I can do what I want to do. He bought the ticket, he, head away, he headed away from God, trying to get away from the presence of God but all of a sudden he is realizing it's much greater than that. It is at that point when people, when I, when anyone else chooses to disobey God, sometimes there are in this movement of the providence of God in our lives that as he works, there comes a moment when we realize that the choices we have made, the way we are going has consequences. And at some point, God gives us that which we want. And in his case, he's going to say, and I was there in the very face of death. And all of a sudden, I realized that was not what I really want. What I want is you, God. Romans chapter 1, the second half is filled with this concept where people desire something rather than the truth of God. And to me, I've said it before, but one of the most shaking verses throughout the New Testament is when it says, and God gave them over. And when we seek other than God, and there comes a moment when God allows us to have the reality of if that is what you're seeking, this is what it consists of. Only for a moment, not to punish in that sense, but to awaken the eyes of our heart that we might understand, if I go here, this is what I get. 
But really, what I want is God. And so he goes on and he says, but at that point, you see, when he saw this clearly, look what it says at the end of verse 4. I yet, I shall again look upon your holy temple. There was this moment when all of a sudden he realized, but I am still alive. That means that God has not yet finished with me. And he made the conscious choice. Maybe as a prophet he could remember the prayer of Solomon as Solomon prayed when he dedicated the temple to God. If you follow through that, he says as people come and they worship, oh God, might you meet with them. And then as Solomon gets into the second or third paragraph of his prayer, he goes and says, and if anyone from your children is away or far away and needs to turn to you and simply turns to your temple. May you from your temple hear and answer. And as if Jonah himself calls out to this thing and says, oh God, you have promised. And sometimes when you wonder, does God care? Oh, there are these moments that like this that come. And all of a sudden we realize that we by faith simply reach out and speak to him and trust his promises. And yet for him it seemed to go deeper. If you read through verses 5 and 6, he talks about going all the way down to the mountains. And actually in verse 6, I went down to the land. I don't know if that means he hit the bottom or whatever, but it seems at that moment he says, for that closed upon me forever. Almost as if that was the moment before he passed. And then the second part of verse 6. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. And then he uses that name Jehovah. Oh Lord my personal God. And defines it. All of a sudden he realized. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. Is this the moment when the great prepared fish came? And he realized rather than dead, he was yet alive. It doesn't tell us that, but what it does so eloquently describe is there is a moment when I was coming to the end of my life, and at that moment, you, God, came. Reminds me of talking with one of our friends in the former Soviet Union in those days. And him telling us this story about how people were seeking to find him in the printing press that they were using to publish Bibles at that point. Anyway, long story short, as he, Glasnost came and he left the country, the person who controlled his passport introduced himself as the former KGB agent who his job was to find him. He said, tell me, where were you hiding? He said, I... You couldn't find me, I'm not going to tell you now. And then the man explained to him, he said, no, no, no. He said, we, we went through all types of things to find you. And he said, then in the end, he said, we called a person from another country. And that person had beyond human power. He said, there are two of us who knew an answer to a question that only two people in the world knew the answer. And we asked the person that. And he said, he went into a bit of a meditation type trance. And within a matter of seconds, he came back and he told us the answer that only two people in the world knew. He said, we knew he had beyond human power. 
And then all of a sudden, he said, now you find for us, Gennady. And he said, the man repeated his action. And in a few moments, returned very upset. He said, tell me more about this man. He said, no, 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 the job is you find him. Anyway, that happened three times. And finally, the person said to him, I don't know who this person is. He said, as I enter the spirit world and I come close to him, there is this light that comes and it stops me and I can go no further. And they said, Gennady, what was that? He says, well, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. There is this moment in the movement and the providence of God where all of a sudden God reveals to us that it is him. And whatever that looks like in our lives. Now he goes on. And he says, just at that moment, you, you uh, saved my life, O Lord my God. And when I was fainting away, I remembered God. And my prayer, he realizes now, comes into his holy temple, into the very presence of God. And then in verse 8, it kind of hides for us in English the kind of moral teaching in the sense of a truth that is really a principle. It says here, those who pay regard to vain idols or those who are worshiping them forsake or they lose their hope, and I think in the New International, of love. And here it says steadfast love. So what, he, what he's doing is giving us a contrast. He says either one can seek this which is not of God, which might, whatever we would want to define an idol, that which captures our heart. And one follows that. But the word which is a little bit hidden here at the second, at the ending of the second part of the verse, which is either translated love or steadfast love, very frequently in English we will call that steadfast love. That is a word in Hebrew which is exclusively used to describe God. Uh, the pronunciation is something like hesed. And it means that God is a God of love and mercy and grace and power and all that God is, but ultimately, ultimately, ultimately yeah, how do you say that? Ultimately, it means that God chooses to love us simply because he wants to, because he will. Not because of who we are. And all of a sudden what Jonah is saying is either people who seek after the other things than the will of God. Remember, when the will of God and the willingness of mankind meet, that's the purpose of God. And what he's saying is we can seek this, but the reality is you seek this, then one loses the very essence of God, the very person, the character, the God who pursues us in all of the providences of life to bring us into a relationship with him. But then at that moment, he turns in verse 9 and he says, and with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice, or I will give you praise and thanksgiving. I will sacrifice to you. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, not something that is sacrificed on the altar, but as a choice of a living choice, that you might know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. 
where the will of God and the willingness of you and me, of us as believers and followers of Christ, meet together. And God does something amazing. And he says, I will vow, pay what I have vowed. In other words, in this moment, there must have been a time in Jonah's life when he probably said, God, whatever you say, I will do. And all of a sudden, God had said, go. And what he said, I go somewhere else. There came a time, and this is what they were children were learning about repentance, when you have chosen to go one way. You see, confession is to say, I'm bad. Yeah, 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 I'm really bad. But repentance means I know I'm going this way. And now before God, in the depth of my heart and soul, I turn and I go with God. And he did. And he ends by saying, salvation belongs to the Lord. Let me close with one final illustration. My concern for you really is that prayer becomes personal and that you understand the personal God, Jehovah, is answering you. Sometimes life is though messy. Sometimes it is complex. And many times it feels very unfair. My favorite Old Testament character is Leah. She's the second wife of Jacob. Rachel, her beautiful younger daughter, of course, you remember the account in Genesis 28, 29, where he went and worked for the father-in-law for years, fell in love with the younger daughter, wanted to marry her, vowed he'd work seven years. Actually, we used to tell this to our three daughters, is if anybody's interested, you tell them, come and talk to dad, and then I'll tell him he worked seven years and come back. Actually, when the son-in-law who proposed our eldest daughter came to ask permission, our youngest daughter came up and said, Dad, did you talk to him about Genesis 29? Yes, I got caught. Genesis 29 says, and the marriage night, the father switched the daughters. The eldest must marry first. And then in the middle of chapter 29, it picks up Leah's story and says, God saw that Leah was not loved. And to do that in the providence of God, he closed the young daughter's beautiful daughter's wife's womb, and he opened hers. And she had a son, and she called him Reuben, and then the, the Bible gives a bit of a commentary, because Reuben means God has seen. But then the Bible's very honest, it says, and Leah was not yet loved, and then she gave birth to a second son, she named him Simeon, which is a commentary, it means has heard. And then thirdly, she had a third son, named him Levi, which means certainly come back. My husband will return to me. You can hear even in the name of the child the voice of the heart of the woman. And then she had a fourth son, and she named him Judah. But Judah was when the will of God and the willingness of the woman met. And you say, well, how can that be? Because she was still not the favorite wife. If we could somehow move to eternity, and we don't know how eternity will work, but we do know the Bible in the book of Revelation describes a city called the New Jerusalem, which is four square. In other words, it's a square city. has 12 gates, three on each of those sides, and on each gate there is a name. Think with me for a moment if Jesus and Leah took a walk around Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem. They could come to the first gate, and on the top of that gate, 
There's a name. Reuben. And I could imagine God Almighty turning to her and saying, I did see. You did see. And then they come to the second one. And it's the name Simeon. And he said, you see, I heard your cry. Oh, God, you heard. And she comes to the third gate, and it's named Levi, which she gave her third son. And she, he could say, you see, you were the right wife. You and your handmaid gave the man sons. He needed sons, and you gave him eight between you. The beautiful daughter, only four. Oh, God, I was right. And then comes Judah. And the Lord could turn to him and say, You know, my father, when he sent me, he did not choose Reuben, the firstborn, who would have been normal. Or should have the firstborn failed, he didn't choose Simeon, who would have been the second choice. Nor even the great priesthood. But when the will of God and the willingness of the woman met, Judah! And something happened in her life and that day and age in which she lived. But it also happens in eternity. Because the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect for today. And it leads you to eternity. And that is what God wants us to understand. As he shows us how Jonah found and lived the will of God. And God answered him in prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I want to pray for each of us, us seated here today. It is not simple, Lord, because we know that life can be complex and sometimes incredibly messy. And everything within us sometimes wants to do it our way rather than yours. But I pray for each one of us seated here today that that will of God would really become the will of our own heart. And may we follow you. And as we experience the pro movement of God in your providence in our lives, may we be quick to look to you and to your temple, to the place where you live. And as we pray, may we expect that you will hear and you will answer. We thank you in Jesus' name.